Gospels to Proverbs chapter number 1. We've already actually had the introduction to Proverbs and just looking around, I think that most of you uh, were here during that introduction. We held off on our study uh, until Awana was over and uh, I look around and I'm not sure that made a whole lot of difference, but... uh, but we've got we've got some Awana folks here tonight, and hopefully all the rest of them will uh, join with us before we get through with the study, at least. But um, in the very first message, we introduced the Book of Proverbs, and uh, uh, so we're going to jump right in uh, into our study tonight. We talked about the author of the book, which uh, is Solomon. And even though it seems that Solomon uh, did not write some of them, that they were Proverbs that nevertheless that he had recorded and reported and included as a part of this. And keep in mind that that was all under the direction of the Holy Spirit. And so that's the main thing to keep in mind. You know, a lot of times we look at one of the authors of the book, uh, of a certain book in the Bible, and we uh, we think about their particular faults and uh, areas where they failed. And uh, sometimes we, you know, we let maybe that influence what we think about what they wrote. And you don't need to worry about that because the Bible says that, that God moved upon holy men of old. And so regardless of what we think about these men, they were holy men. Certainly they failed like everybody does. But keep in mind that in those days with the gift of prophecy, God enabled them and revealed to them exactly what he wanted them to write. And so even though even though it, I was preaching in the conference uh, I don't know, one of the states way up north Michigan or somewhere, I can't remember now, that asked me to come up there and uh, preach a a conference. Actually, most of it was to other preachers and wanted me to speak on the subject of the uh, the Bible, the history of the Bible, and so on and so forth. And uh, uh, I remember making a comment that, you know, if God could speak through uh, uh, Balaam's ass, which he did, you know, God enable the animal to speak, why certainly God can speak through uh, men who have failed miserably. So I'm saying all of that to say this, just because you are aware of Solomon's failures, don't let that trouble you whenever you uh, read the advice that he gives, because what he's giving you comes from the Lord. So the author of this is, of course, Solomon. We also talked about the arrangement of the book, and I'm not going to go in, into that now, uh, and, and it's not really important that we understand that, but it is divided up into different sections and subject matter, uh, even though it doesn't seem that way. Sometimes it seems like a phone book changing subjects, you know, on every line, but uh, it's really not that way at all. But then we talked about the aim of the book, and uh, that's going to become very apparent because as we go through the book, it gives us a contrast between wisdom and folly, and the whole point of it is that we need to choose wisdom. We need to live wisely. 
I've often over the years suggested that people use the book of Proverbs as their calendar. And every day, uh, you know, if it's, the, if it's the third of the month, that morning, that day sometime, read Proverbs chapter number 3. When you get to the end, of course, and being 31 chapters and short months, you might have to read an extra chapter or two, but that's not going to hurt anybody. But it's a good way to discipline yourself to get into this book because there's no book of the Bible that has more uh, more practical stuff. I mean everyday kind of stuff that we have to deal with. And so uh, it's helpful whether you've been a Christian for six months or for 60 years. This is a book that's helpful uh, to, to everyone. Now, uh, as, as we start our study tonight and look in chapter number one, the, the theme of this chapter has to do with the purpose of Proverbs. That's the title of the message tonight. One of the one of the dangers in this kind of a study is wearing you out. That is in getting bogged down and dragging it out to where it is so long that uh, you know even though you love the Word of God, we can just you know we can stay on a subject so long that it that it wears you out. And I don't want to do that. I want to I want to be as thorough as I can, and yet I I want to go through it. Uh, as quickly as possible without distracting from what the message is all about. So I'm saying that to let you know we might not make it through chapter 1 tonight, but uh, if not, we'll finish it up next week. So the purpose of Proverbs, there there are ten things that I want you to notice tonight, uh, beginning in verse number 2, because we've already covered verse number 1 quite thoroughly. In verse number 2, we see that there is something to know. There's something that God wants us to know. He says to know wisdom and instruction to perceive the words of understanding. To know wisdom and instruction. Webster's Dictionary defines wisdom as the ability to judge soundly or to, to deal shrewdly or with keen discernment uh, with facts, especially as they relate to our life and relate to our conduct. Uh, wisdom is the ability for us to understand the ends to be reached and the means of achieving that. And it's the ability to do the right thing the right way. So wisdom enables us to deal with matters so as to get the best result, whether you're running a company like Brother John or whether you're pastoring a church, whether you are raising your family, whatever it is that you're trying to do, uh, you need wisdom to get the uh, the very best results possible. So knowledge is knowing the facts. Wisdom is knowing how to apply those facts. The interesting thing, and maybe this will help clarify it, in the Bible, whenever it speaks about uh, a person with wisdom, and it, it talked about, you know, Moses and his wise men that he chose, it speaks about those who could perform well uh, in, in their particular work. 
in other words, if they could do their job well, they, they were called wise. So, so please understand, when we talk about somebody being wise, it has to do not only with what they know, but it has to do with what they do, their ability uh, to do. And, uh, you know, over the years I've heard different people refer to, you know, so-and-so as being, well, one of the wisest men that I've ever met and what have you. Well, you know, you have to do more than just listen to what a person says to see if they have wisdom or not. You have to watch how they live because wisdom is that which is going to cause us to use our knowledge to bring about the best possible outcome to do the right thing the right way and this is something that we need to know that's the purpose of the book and uh, here in proverbs uh, we we see that uh, if we go over and you, i don't want you to turn there but in proverbs there are several different words that that relate to this that are associated with it in chapter 16 and verse 21 he uses the word prudence And, of course, he uses the word knowledge again and again. He uses the word discretion. And all of those are, all of those are associated in some way with wisdom. The value of wisdom is seen by the emphasis that the Bible puts upon it. And as you'll see later, and you already know, the Bible talks about us seeking after wisdom as though we were seeking after gold and silver. And, and, you know, you, you've got to ask yourself, is that my attitude toward wisdom? Is that something that I want that much? A lot of people are so concerned about the investments they make and, you know, their savings and so on and so forth. And, you know, they want to make, make sure that they take care of things so as to secure their future. And, you know, and that's, that's all well and good, but we ought to be searching after wisdom above everything else. And the Bible puts that kind of emphasis upon it. It's better than silver. It's better than gold. And then not only, not only do we see the value by what the Bible compares it to, but also we see that wisdom protects. It protects us from danger. It provides. It preserves. Well, the source of wisdom, very obviously, is God himself. Uh, I, I mean, that, that's why he said in the book of James, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth liberally and upbraideth not. And so God's the source of wisdom. You're not going to, you're not going to gain wisdom just by getting an education or reading books. Uh, uh, you, you, you need what only God can give. Now, when you realize that God has what you need most, and that's the only place you can get it, quite obviously, you know, you're going to be driven to the source. And so we need to understand not just the value of it, but where we can get wisdom. It comes from God. So this is something we need to know, to know wisdom. But also, notice he says also instruction. And that speaks of education or training, and it carries us right into the next thought, and that is not only is there something to know, but verse 3, there's something to receive, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, equity. Now, since he speaks about receiving instruction, it's evident that knowledge 
is available, right? To receive means to lay hold of, to take hold of. And so if he's telling us to receive the instruction of wisdom, that means it's available. And notice that he describes it in four ways. The word wisdom, that's the ability to use our knowledge. We've been talking about that. Justice has to do with doing what is right. And, and it's, in fact, in fact, this particular word is translated, the Hebrew word is translated righteousness 77 times in the Bible. So whenever you think about justice, you're thinking about that which is right. And we are to lay hold of wisdom and, and justice. Notice, and judgment. Judgment is correct reasoning. Correct reasoning. Making sound judgments. As Brother John was talking about a while ago, you know, you, you, you can't just fly by the seat of your pants. You've got to make sure, just like an airplane pilot, whenever they're in a fog bank or something, regardless of how they feel, they've got to, you know, they've got to go with the instruments. And, and if they don't, you know, they're, they're in trouble. Well, life is that way. We've got to make correct reasoning. Somebody says, well, you know, I've just got a gut feeling that this is going to work out. You know, I haven't really thought it through. I haven't sought any counsel from people that are more knowledgeable. I haven't prayed about it and asked God to direct me. You're going to get in trouble. You're going to get in trouble because correct reasoning is is the judgment that he's talking about here, and this is something to be received. And then notice equity. That speaks about integrity. Uh, the thought is that of of evenness or uprightness or uh, straightness. Equity. And so you see, it reflects not only not only in what we do and the decisions that we make. But whenever you talk about doing what is right and what is fair, it affects those that we come in contact with. So whenever we know wisdom and we receive wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, it's not going to just affect you. It's going to affect everybody that you know, your family, your friends, your co-workers, and everyone else. Now, verse number 4, he speaks about something that is given. Something that is given. He says to give, that's the key word here. The last one was to receive. But now he says to give subtility to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. Now, this all ties together with what he's just said. You need wisdom, justice, judgment, equity. Notice, to give Subtility to the simple. We, we talked about those that are described as simple because sometimes people misunderstand that and they, they think we're talking about retardation or something of that nature. Somebody that's so simple-minded, you know, that they can't figure out anything and that's not it at all. It's talking about those that are usually young and, and inexperienced, those that are simple in, in the sense that they have not had the experiences that, that others have. But the word subtility simply means crafty or wily. Now, generally, when we think about that word, what do we do? 
we think about it in a negative sense, right? We think about, you know, the subtlety of Satan and his craftiness and, and how it's used for evil. Well, uh, there, there's, there's a sense in which you and I uh, ought to have subtlety. We, we ought to be wily. That is, we ought to be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves, as the Lord said. And we need that because of the fact that, uh, and you'll see here in just a little bit, because we are in great danger from others. And whenever he talks about escaping from the wiles of others, that subtlety, uh, it ties together with what he's uh, about to say. And then notice that to the young man, to the young man, he offers knowledge, that's insight, and discretion, that's discernment. And so this speaks about the ability to cautiously think our way through difficulties. It, in, in other words, it enables us to see and to plan accordingly. You know, in one of the Proverbs, when we get over there later on, it talks about, you know, us uh, looking ahead, as it were, and pondering the path of our feet. You go out here on a dark night and start down the road and you can't see anything. It won't be long before you're going to trip over something or you're going to run into something and you're, you're going to have a problem. And so if, if it's dark outside, you, you've got to move more cautiously. That's the way that we ought to move through this world. Uh, whenever we, whenever we think about, you know, being in the, in a dangerous world, in enemy territory, we've got to be cautious with every step that we take. And this is what he's talking about, the discernment, knowing where we're going to put our foot down, knowing where we're going to go next. Some people, some people got this crazy idea that, well, you know, if I'm, if I'm living by faith, I can just throw caution to the wind. You know, I don't have to think anything through. I don't have to plan anything out. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't have to consult with anybody else. I'm, I'm just living by faith. I'm going to trust the Lord. It'll turn out all right. It's like the fellow whenever I was in, up in Cincinnati pastoring there. This fellow was convinced he'd gone to a charismatic church, and somewhere or another they convinced him that if you've got enough faith, you can do anything. Well, he went out and tried to walk on the water there in the Ohio River and drowned. And uh, so you, just saying I've got a lot of faith doesn't mean you're doing something that's wise or something that's safe. What people forget is that faith, you say, you know, somebody says, well, you, you know, I, I don't understand you Christians just living by blind faith. Our faith isn't blind. Our faith is Bible-based. Our faith is based on the promises of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And, and so for us to walk wisely, we've got to walk in accordance to, uh, to, to, to God's Word. So we see there's something to know, something to receive. We see that there is something given. But now look at verse 5 and 6 because here Solomon calls our attention to something that is certain. Something that is certain. He says, a wise man will. I underline that. He will. There's no doubt about it. A wise man will hear and, and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel. Now, read on. 
to understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark saying. So the point here is that a wise person is going to learn, uh, they're going to listen, and, and they're going to learn. Uh, if, if you're going to learn, you've got, you've got to learn how to listen, first of all. And, and a lot of folks have never disciplined themselves enough to be good listeners. And, uh, and if we don't listen, we're not going to learn. I can, uh, you know, even as I say that I can think back to my childhood days there in elementary school at York School in Springfield, Missouri, and I, 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 all the days I spent sitting there next to the window and looking out on those nice spring days and, uh, you know, the birds and the trees and what have you, and just daydreaming and wishing that I was down at the river fishing or something else and just, you know, didn't have a clue, paid no attention whatsoever to what was going on in the classroom. Well, you don't make, you don't make straight A's if that's your mentality. And I didn't make straight A's. But, uh, uh, but anyway, if we're going to learn, we've got to listen. The same thing's true whenever, whenever we, whenever we're in Sunday school or church or whatever. Uh, l- listening is not always natural for people. Uh, a lot of times we think, boy, I've really got their attention, and the truth of the matter is their mind is a thousand miles away. And, and, and we've got to discipline ourselves to listen. And, and notice he says a wise man will, he'll hear, he's going to listen, and he will increase learning. In other words, there is a benefit to it. And uh, and it's important that we listen, important that we learn. And and, and now mark it down, this is what's certain. A wise person will do that. So, you know, you can judge yourself. I'm not going to try to judge you or not, but you need to be honest with yourself and ask yourself, am I listening? Am I learning? You know, am I, am I receiving counsel from the Lord? Am I benefiting from it? And sometimes you hear people say, well, you know, I just, and, and believe me, I realize there are folks that have got problems that's far beyond my expertise. And I don't want to set myself up as some kind of an expert because I don't understand, uh, you know, all of the intricate details of how the mind works and stuff like that. I know that some folks, for different reasons, have problems focusing uh, but you hear people sometimes say, you know, I, 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 ju- I just can't read. I can't, you know, I just can't focus on it. I just, you know, the thing about it is it, the same people that say that, if they're reading some novel that's right down their alley, they can sit there for hours on end and read a novel or, you know, or if somebody if if somebody gave them a check for ten thousand dollars, they could read that just fine. It, it, look, it's a matter of realizing the importance of what you're doing, and and if you, if we're going to listen to what God says and we're going to learn from what God says, we've got to discipline ourselves uh, uh, to 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 listen, to pay attention to. Get our mind focused. Now look at verse 7, because here he speaks about something that's needful. He said, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So here we got the flip side of the coin, right? 
I mean, the wise man will do what? The wise man will hear, and as a result of that, they're going to increase in their learning. They will attain unto wise counsel. That is, they don't think they know it all. They're willing to listen to the counsel of other people. But notice here, the fear of the Lord, that's what's needed. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. We don't hear a lot about this subject, you know, today, the fear of the Lord. And I was uh, started writing an, an, an article, and I think I've got it in my drafts and just got started on it. And, you know, we hear a lot today, uh, a lot of people talking about how that, uh, that the Christians, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, that they were too serious, too somber, just wasn't enough joy in the churches and, and we need to get more excited and we need to clap our hands, we need to do this. And, and I'm not saying we shouldn't do those things, by the way, but I mean, they've got the idea that that, that entire generation of Christians is a bunch of old fogies that just didn't, didn't love God or anything else. And the point of the article is this. Did you ever stop to think it might be that they had a greater sensitivity to sin? Did you ever stop to think it might be that they had a greater hatred of sin, a greater love for holiness? You know, there are a lot of times in our life where, you know, instead of rejoicing, we need to be weeping. And whenever we realize that we're missing the mark... Uh, it ought to be something that breaks our heart. The rejoicing comes after the repentance. I'll never forget Dad back before he was saved coming to church and then wouldn't come back. And you've heard me tell this before. And I went to him and said, Dad, why is it you, you came to church a time or two and uh, didn't come back anymore? And he said, well, he said, I'll be honest, son. He said, I thought going to church was supposed to make you feel good. And he said, when I, I went to church to listen to you preach and I left and I said, I felt horrible. I felt terrible. I felt, you know, I felt small and what have you. I said, well, that's a good thing. You know, until you're saved, that's exactly how you ought to feel. Now, I'm saying all of that for a reason, and the reason is that a lot of times we talk about what we need in the church today when in reality we're confusing our needs with our desires. And one of, one of, the, one of the things that enters into this is, you know, we talk about all of the emphasis on the love of God was surely... Surely nobody would object to having one sermon after another on the love of God, right? I mean, that's wonderful. We need to focus on the love of God. But never at the expense of being silent regarding the fear of the Lord. And and that's the mistake a lot of people make. The fear of the Lord, notice, is the beginning of knowledge. You haven't got anywhere until you have a healthy fear of God. And that word, that word fear has to do with having a reverence uh, for God. In other words, it's a reverential awe of God. And this is the part that the modern preachers leave off. And a dread of offending his holy character. That's what fearing God is. It's having this awe of God, just standing in awe of His greatness and His goodness, and at the same time dreading the very thought that we might in some way 
offend him. And this phrase is repeated again and again throughout the Bible. And so uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Let me give you some verses here in chapter 1 and verse number 9. It says it's the beginning of knowledge. Well, verse 7 Chapter number 9 and verse 10 says it's the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Chapter 14, verse 27 says the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. How important is it that we fear God? Well, it's a fountain of life. And, and then in chapter 10, verse 27, the fear of the Lord prolongeth days. You want to live longer? You, 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 better, you better have a fear of God in your heart. Chapter 8, verse 13, it says that the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Uh, Chapter 14, verse 26 says, and the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. Chapter 19, it tells us that the fear of the Lord tendeth to life. Chapter 22, verse 4 says that the fear of the Lord, in the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. I've taken the time to read all of those because of the fact that it shows us just how important this really is, that we have a healthy fear of God, and a lot of folks don't. They treat it as though it's something that's not important, that, you know, that... As long as they know a lot about God. In other words, as long as they are correct in their doctrines, they think everything's all right. And there are people that can stand up and quote one verse after another after another. They can talk about the premillennial return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, in their mind, they can tell you where, you know, uh, where Cain got his wife and uh, where. Uh, who the mark of the, uh, who, you know, who the Antichrist is and who the two witnesses are, and they can talk for hours and hours about, about the Bible and have all of this knowledge, and yet they have no fear of God. And, and so the bottom line to that is what? They don't know anything. They don't know anything. Got a lot of information stored, but they don't know anything. Kind of like a fellow of the name of Blind Ellick years ago. And Blind Ellick, uh, it is said, could quote the entire Bible. And as a train went by, he could look at the numbers on the train and just add those numbers up as the train was flying by and do remarkable things like that. But when it comes to common everyday things and making wise choices, you know, he had the mind of somebody that's six, seven, eight years old. Uh, he, he had no ability to reason. Well, we've got a lot of Christians that have a lot of so-called knowledge. In other words, they've got all of these facts in their mind, but they really don't know anything until they have a healthy fear of God. Now look at verse 8 and 9. Here our attention is turned to something that will will beautify, and we're going to have to wrap it up with this, something that will beautify. Verse 8, My son... Hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. For they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. So he's talking here, obviously, about parental instruction, right? And how that parental instruction will beautify a person's life. It'd be a wonderful thing if young people uh, would take heed 
to this advice. And you, you go over to Ephesians chapter number 6 where it talks about, you know, the young people and how they are to love, honor, and respect their parents. And, and if they do, it will be well with them and their days will be long upon the earth. You know, I, I've been saying for years, one of these days there's going to be some kid come along that's 8, 9, 10, 11 years old, and and all of a sudden it's going to click with them that mom and dad know more than I do, and the preacher is knows more than I do. My Sunday school teacher is smarter than I am, and I'm going to listen to what they say, and I'm going to learn, and I'm going to apply myself. And I want to tell you, any time anytime a kid makes that decision to do that, there is absolutely no telling to what great things God might do in that kid's life. Now, I realize, you see, that's not human nature. Sometimes we all wish that for our kids, and once in a while we expect it out of them, but... You know, we look back at our own life, and boy, whenever I think about kids nowadays and I, I think about the silly things they do, and it really helps me put things in perspective to, to look back and to think about, you know, 99% of the kids today is a lot better than I was when I was a kid. I mean, nobody could do more stupid things than I did, and uh, so it's 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 inherent within them that propensity to sin that they're going to get on the wrong track a lot of times we say to the kids you know well you you need to you need to grow up match your age that's what they're doing that's what the problem is they're acting their age and uh and, and consequently they they make decisions based on that but here is a plea uh, from a father to his son uh, concerning not only his advice, but notice, I like the fact that he said, in the law of thy mother, the instruction of your father, but the law of your mother. I'm not sure I really understand uh, the, the distinction there, but it just puts a smile on my face to think about it that a lot of times, you know, we... We think about our mothers laying the law down, so to speak, and you'll notice uh, here a while back I was watching an episode of Cops, and this kid had got in a bunch of trouble, and and so the cop had the kid sitting in the car, and uh, the, the 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 mother came out and was talking to the kid, and and boy, this 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 big old overgrown teenage boy that had got in trouble giving the cops so much trouble. When Mama got there, you could tell he just melded. Uh, All of a sudden, he realized that this is Mama. I don't talk to Mama like I do them. Listen, uh, every, every child ought to think about the desire of their mother being a law unto them. They shouldn't have to demand it. Just knowing, in fact, wasn't it, if my memory serves me right, wasn't it George Washington that wanted to, wanted to uh, go out uh, uh, in, in the Navy or whatever it was, go out to sea, and his mother didn't want him to go. And, and so just knowing that's what she wanted, he made a decision based on what he knew that she desired to stay there. Now, listen, all of you young people here, you are so blessed, so fortunate that you have Christian parents. 
I, I, I can't even begin to tell you how, how blessed you are to have that wonderful privilege of having Christian parents. They love you more than anybody else in all of this world. Please, I beg you, just as Solomon was begging his son, I beg you, listen to the instruction of your father and the law of your mother. And notice what he says. He's going to show you here in verse 9. It's to your benefit. It's for your own good. For they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. In other words, your life is going to be beautified as a result of it. They're speaking out of love. They're speaking from experience. They're speaking for your good. And you'd be wise to give heed to the things they say. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to start in verse 10 with the seventh thing in this chapter and it has to do with something to avoid, something to avoid. And notice how it starts, my son, if sinners entice thee, and they will, consent thou not. Don't give in. There are some things that you've got to avoid. So here Solomon is laying out the purpose of the book, and he's telling you as you go through life, there are some things that you need to know. There are things you need to receive. Things that are given. Things that are certain. Things that, that are needful. And things that will beautify your life. And then as we'll see next week, there are some things that will ruin your life. And you need to avoid those things. And we'll talk about it then.